0: What's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. I'm so glad to have you here listening to episode 458 of the Speaker Lab podcast for a conversation with Bruce Van Horn. Now, Bruce is a life coach with an incredible mission to create positive change in the world through words, which he does through speaking, writing, and podcasting. Now, like many speakers, he started out in a corporate industry, in his case, software, and slowly found his way to speaking over several decades. Today, he's sharing his story on how he shifted his mindset from following the money to making an impact. Now, here at the Speaker Lab, we often reiterate that speakers don't need a crazy story to make an impact, but Bruce is one of those guys who actually does have a crazy story. We're talking uh, marathon training, cancer, family tragedy, anger at God, uh, a lot of really sobering stuff that we're going to be covering. But Bruce came out of all of this, created something truly wonderful, and he's really had a, a radical mindset shift and wanted to help others reach that same place of positivity and introspection that he has reached. I don't want to give too much away, but the story you're going to hear today is really—it's significant, it's moving, it's powerful. I think you're really going to dig it. But don't worry if you do not have a story like that. I know I, for one, do not. Bruce and I are also gonna talk about uh, how to take your talk and work with the audience and their needs no matter what story that you tell. His advice for building the right mindset for being an entrepreneur, building your personal brand really applies no matter what your story is. And because he's gotten a lot of speaking gigs through his podcast, he's also gonna share how those two branches of his business work together. So let's get right to it. Here's my conversation with Bruce Van Horn. Enjoy. Hey, up, friends. Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab Podcast. Good to have you here with us today. Today, we are chatting with Bruce Van Horn. Excited to uh, to chat with him, talking about his speaking journey. And uh, the, the guy's had some some crazy life experiences, um, both going back a decade or so, but also uh, very recently, we'll, we may touch on it as well. So, uh, Bruce, thanks for joining us today.
1: My pleasure, Grant. Glad to be here.
0: Uh, well, first of all, why don't you start by giving us some, some context of your business uh, and specifically, like how does the speaking fit into the mix?
1: Sure. Speaking is is something that I've discovered, uh, you know, certainly within the last 10 years since I've been a, you know, life coaching sort of found me. I, for almost all my professional career, uh, was in the software business. I ran my own software company for 20 years. So I was used to working with business owners to begin with. And then, uh, through, as you mentioned, some crazy life experiences, I was already unhappy in the uh, in the sp- in the uh, software business. I'm so one of those guys who, um, my story is, I did everything that uh, the American dream would tell us to do, and that's uh, follow the money. So I graduated from college in 1986 with a degree in English creative writing, and all I really ever wanted to do was write for a living. And so, what does that guy do? Well, of course, he goes to work for IBM selling mainframe systems to large corporations, right? It's just what a natural do, fit, you know? And, you know, so while I did that and on paper, it all looked great. I was miserable. And even running my own company, uh, I loved my business partner. It just, you know, I was really, really good at the thing, but I didn't love the thing that I was doing. Hmm. And, you know, the, the money did not buy happiness, which is, you know, the lie that, everybody tells you that it is. And then I was uh, diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer uh, right at my 50th birthday. And so that's coming up on 10 years ago, because I'll be, uh, I'll be 60 in November. And that for me, having survived that, which was sketchy for a little while, I called my business partner and I said, listen, I want out. You know, life is too short to to do something that I don't love doing. And I was already doing quite a bit of coaching, Mm -hmm. uh, working with executives and, and their teams and helping them to not make the same mistakes that that I had made all those yeah. years. So I started life coaching. I started uh, my podcast is now 10 years old. Life is a marathon. And you know, it's funny how many people start listening to my show thinking that I talk about marathon training. Yeah. I don't at all, although I am a marathon runner. And so I use that metaphor The you know, in the endurance mindset, are we in it for the long haul or is it, mm-hmm. you know, are we just for what we can get in the sprint? You know, so I use that metaphor and through coaching, through speaking, through writing or well, through coaching, through podcasting and uh, writing my books and just sharing my story, I get a lot of invitations to to speak. So I I speak to a wide variety of audience. Obviously, I, I work with business clients a lot. And so I do a lot of workshop type speaking. Uh, gotcha. I also get invited to, to speak to people who are going through difficult life situations, right? I've, mm-hmm. I've been a keynote speaker at the American Cancer Society um, for prostate cancer survivors mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and just lots of other journeys. So for me, speaking is, is just another way that I can connect with people and to, to share my story in the hopes that uh, something that I've experienced or something that I said will cause them to uh, go hmm yeah. how could I apply yeah. that to my life right so it's it's not the thing that I do full time and uh, you know but it is something that I absolutely love to do and and one of the things that I discovered through uh, the podcast is that while I always thought I wanted to be a writer I don't. <laughs> I love words. And yeah. so I actually, podcasting has actually made me kind of a lazy writer because it's so much easier for me to just stand in front of my microphone, hit record, and just say what's on my mind rather than sit down and write it all out and make sure the grammar is correct. And, you know, and so yeah. it's just, yeah I, yeah, I put on my website, what I, what I do quite simply stated is that uh, I use words to positively change the world. And, and that's what I'm really enthusiastic about is, you know, lifting people up, using my story where it's appropriate, but it's not about me. It's about, you know, the, the shared experiences that we have to, to really, you know, live the lives that we were created to live, right? We're, we're here on this earth for a reason. We're not here to be miserable, Right. We're here to, to live in, in joy and abundance to the to the greatest of our abilities, yet we get so sidelined and sad tracked by by the things that ultimately don't matter. And so that's right. what I spend a lot of time talking about.
0: I wanna go back for a second. So when you were running you, you were at IBM then had your own software company for yes, something sir. like a couple a couple decades. Yeah, almost twenty and, years. Yeah. Yeah. It sounded like you are, didn't enjoy it for a good chunk of it and you know, it, it paid the bills and kept the lights on, but yep. for the most part it wasn't something that you were necessarily like fired up about and looking forward to to Monday morning. So how um uh, kind of walk us through that because there's a lot of people who may be listening who are kind of in that spot yeah. of going. I would love to do coaching or writing or speaking or something, but I I just feel stuck and I feel like there's no uh, there's no way out. So how long? Again, you went a long time there with going like this is just the way it is and I just got to accept the status quo. Like what? Was it the cancer that changed things for you and just was like that wake up call or what?
1: No, it it had actually started changing a couple years before the cancer. And I just, the cancer was what caused me to really just pull the trigger and go into doing what I do now full time. Yeah. Right. I was sort of straddling the fence for a while. It was actually training for my very first marathon. And, and what you described, is, you, you just described pretty much every single one of my coaching clients. Mm-hmm. I, I coach big time cor- corporate CEOs. I coach doctors who are very, very good at what they do. Yep. Right. You, you need a spine surgeon who's really, really good at doing spine surgery. But what you want to do is combine with that with somebody who from their earliest memories, they wanted to be a doctor, mm-hmm. right? They, they want to be healers. Right. And so I encounter a lot of people who went into a profession either for the same reason that I did, because we could make a lot of money, or there was a lot of family pressure. A lot of people become mm-hmm. doctors or lawyers because that's what their parents did and grandparents did. And it's just what we do. Yeah. I talked with a guy who owns a furniture company here in Richmond, Virginia. And I said, Why'd you choose this? He said, I had no choice. Right, this is a fifth generation business.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, it's like, well, why don't you get out? I said, well, there's because there's too much family pressure to stay in the thing. So for me, I was a I, I was a grumpy, cynical, sarcastic, unhappy human being, and um, a lot of other things had happened in my life. I had a daughter pass away, wow. and. You know, and so my marriage was miserable. I didn't even like being a dad. I had two boys at this point were two and eight and I was just miserable. And my older brother challenged me to run a marathon with him. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was the stupidest thing I'd ever heard of in my life. I live in a community probably like you do where, you know, everything I want is within a five minute drive. Yeah. I, you know, I don't even like driving 26 miles unless I'm going much farther on vacation, yeah. but to run 26. But anyway, I accepted the challenge and it was actually during that process that and there was one particular morning where I really did have this aha epiphany moment where early that morning if I you know you talked to me while I was lacing up my shoes, I was still an angry person. I was unhappy with my life. And I was out running early one morning and it was just out in the back and I turned around and the sun was coming up over the lake near where I live. It was just one of those breathtakingly gorgeous moments. And all of a sudden I burst into tears because I was actually doing really, really well with my marathon training. And I realized that I had been doing something with my marathon training that I wasn't applying to the rest of my life. And I remember uh, Zig Ziglar. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're, you're a big Zig sure. fan. Oh, yeah. I, I never got to meet Zig, but I've met Tom several times. And, you know, he, in that, in that Yazoo City, Mississippi, you know, accent of his, he says, son, you've got stinking thinking. And and what it was, was I had this long list of all of the problems that existed in my life. All of the, the disappointments, the failures, the things that I had not accomplished by now that I thought I should have. I had an equally long list of people, situations, even God, Mm -hmm. who were to blame for all of those things. And I realized nowhere on that list was Mr. Bruce Van Horn. Mm. I was in total victim mode. I blamed everybody for my unhappiness. Yet I came to realize that I ultimately really only had one person, only had one problem, and it was a thinking problem, and I only had one person to blame for that, and that was me. And while that was connected to marathon training, I realized that you can't subcontract marathon training. Mm-hmm. If I don't want to cut my grass, I can hire a neighborhood teenager to cut my grass for me. Yeah. I can't hire the neighborhood teenager to run my, do my long runs for me. Yep. Yep. I've got to do that. And whether I succeed or fail is 100% my responsibility. I also realize that you can't run a marathon with a negative mindset about running a marathon. Mm-hmm. Because the moment your mind says, this is stupid. Your body says "Hallelujah!" I've been telling you that for the last 18 miles. Let's let's go back to the couch. The couch loves us, right? But I had been applying positive thinking and visualizing, you know, all of all of the positive mindset stuff that you do. I had applied all of that to running a marathon, but I hadn't applied it to my life. And so I set about changing my story. And, and started really doing some deep dives into my life. That's where I really started my own personal development journey, reading everything that I could about mindset. And it was not quite a year later. I was also my son's assistant soccer coach. And one of the dads whose, whose son played with my son, he came up to me after a game one day. I said, Bruce, you're different this year. He said, Do you, just, you stand? taller than you used to. Well, you were never mean to the kids. You speak so much more kindly to the kids. And there's just something. In, and so, he asked me to tell him the story. And so, I told him my story. And he said, I want that in my life. And I want to hire you to be my life coach. Yeah. And I had never even heard the term before. Yeah. I said, what, what is that? And so, he told me, I said, that sort of just sounds like a combination between a really good friend a pastor and a psychologist yeah they said yeah basically but anyway he he un- actually understood because he, he owned his own um, home repair company and he had worked with business coaches before and so he understood the value of working with a coach and and so he actually as i coached him on how to you know Due to his mindset, what I had done to mine, he actually taught me sort of the coaching business from coaches that he had previously worked with. And then he referred me to to a bunch of his friends and it just sort of grew organically. I didn't go looking to be a life coach, but then I discovered I love this. Yeah. This is actually what I was called to do. And so I I got back to my love of writing and I wrote a a book called You Can Go the Distance, which technically is a marathon training guide, but it's really more about the mindset of running. I started blogging and about the time I thought that everything is going great because I actually was getting a little bit more joy out of my software company. Just because I had a little more joy inside right, me, right,
0: right. Just in general,
1: it still wasn't doing it, and I knew that I wanted to get out, but I didn't. Yeah, I didn't know. You know, you tell that story. Is my business partner going to be upset with me? We've been doing this for eighteen years, and then I was diagnosed with cancer, and so I picked up the phone. I called him and uh, and our uh, business manager got on the call with me, and I said, "Hey guys, I want out," and you could hear this huge sigh of relief. Hmm. from them. And we're still great friends, but they were like, we've known for years, you don't love this. Wow. And, you know, we just, we want to see you go do whatever it is you want to do. And and so they were struggling on the other side of trying to wanting, wanting to approach me to buy me out.
0: Yeah.
1: And so it, it just worked out well. And so that's, that's really, and I, I kept in touch with a bunch of people that we were doing software work for who also needed, you know, executive coaching and business coaching. And so I, you know, I took all of those things that I learned along the way, along with my life experiences. And this is what I do now. It's it's what I write about. It's what I talk about. It's what I, I speak about.
0: And so how did speaking kind of come into the, the mix? Because it sounds like you built a software company, you were doing some coaching, coaching became enough so that you could leave the software company. So it sounds yes. like you're just doing coaching for a little while. At what point does speaking kind of come into play?
1: So speaking sort of always came naturally to me. I'm, I've am i also, you know, <laughs> I, I spent years as a professional musician, so I have no problem being on stage with a mic in, in my hand. So I also, before I started my own software company, I actually worked for a large uh, publicly traded company. It doesn't exist anymore, Alaire Corporation. They developed a programming language called ColdFusion. Mm-hmm. And so I was one of their uh, training experts. So I w- traveled all around the world teaching people how to program in ColdFusion. So I already knew the, the basics of making presentations and talking. So, so that just sort of came naturally to me. And probably the first invitation to actually speak came after the the prostate cancer and my surgeon hooked me up with the uh, people at the American Cancer Society and they were having a a banquet for prostate cancer awareness and they invited me to be their keynote speaker. And so- that was the very first official speaking gig for me and that was you know again coming up on 10 years ago now and then it just wound up being you know the the podcast brought me so much speaking business is there anything
0: that is there anything you did on the podcast that that brought some speaking gigs cuz that's one thing that
1: no that, i've never plugged speaking well i i do more of it now but in the beginning yeah. i was getting speaking clients without ever actually holding myself out there as a speaker. Yeah. Do you find that,
0: because I think one limiting belief for a lot of speakers is that you have to have overcome some type of obstacle or have some crazy story in order to, to yeah. qualify being a speaker. And you obviously, you know, beating beating I, cancer, we haven't even talked about, you know, the, the recent thing that happened about six months ago or so for you. It's like some significant life events, right. especially like in the health space that someone would be like, oh, well, if, you know, of course, this, this guy's a natural fit to come speak. Do you find that, that that's the case for a lot of speakers is that you have to have some type of crazy backstory?
1: I'll agree with you that it's a limiting belief yeah. that keeps a lot of people who have uh, – you know, <laughs> they they want to do something, but they don't have this really dramatic story, which mm-hmm. I, I happen to. And, you know, I, again, I'll use a Zig Ziglarism. And uh, he said, if you've got a product, service, or a message that you honestly believe can change somebody's life for the better – you've got a moral obligation to tell as many people about that as possible.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So if you've got an idea about the way life really should be, then speaking can be a great platform for that. And you you don't have to have these major life experiences. You don't have to have, you know, immigrated from another country. You don't have to have you know, gone through a really painful divorce or a a business that's gone under. Um, I mean, I've got tons of those experiences. I'm also a two time uh, bankruptcy filer, you know, one from a business I started Mm -hmm. when I was in my 20s and then uh, a second one uh, because of the mountain of medical debt that uh, I acquired trying to keep my daughter alive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so I have those experiences, but I don't believe that, You have to have those experiences to be, you know, an amazing speaker. Yeah.
0: I would totally agree with that. Now, I'm also curious where, like in your case, where you have had a lot of things, uh, you know, I remember when I got started speaking, there was a a guy I met who was a phenomenal speaker since become a good friend. And he had cancer as a child, had a leg amputated, went on to become a one-legged downhill skier in the Paralympics. And I'm just like, I can't compete with that. Like I'm, you know, I've lived a pretty normal vanilla life, you know? And so even when I hear someone like you and like, oh man, this guy's accomplished all these things and some things that have happened to him, some things that, that he, you know, that, that, uh, that he did, but nonetheless, like all of these things that on paper, you're like, wow, it's, you know, it's kind of a a compelling story. So one thing that I'd be curious on is how do you take where, where you are someone who you've had a lot of life experiences and part of when you get up on stage is the audience wants to hear some of those things. An event planner wants you to share some of those things, but how do you make sure that it's, it's about the audience and not just, Hey, look at me and look what I've done.
1: Yes, absolutely. Right. It's all about. All, whenever I talk to anybody, when when you know this example, I believe that somewhere inside me, I've got. I don't even know what I'm going to say most of the time. Right. I, when I speak, I will always have a script. When I you know do a podcast, I always have a, a, an outline of what I want to talk about, but I never follow it. Uh, probably not the the greatest rule for speakers, but it's a gift. As long as I believe that I have a message that can lift somebody up, it's about the message, right? And so my story is just support for the message, right? That's all, that's all it is. And so as a speaker without those experiences, you probably know somebody who has those experiences. You could tell somebody else's story. Right. You, you can get up on stage and say, hey, you know, I, I, I met this guy named Bruce and he had all of these experiences. Let me how, tell you how I interpret his life experiences or how his life experience caused me to think differently about my life or what, whatever the, the message is that you're trying to deliver. Yeah. You might not have those tremendously earth shaking life experiences, but you can use the experiences of other people. Yeah. In, in your message as a, as a way to connect with people. Right. So I never get up and and tell the story just to make it about me. I I tell the story as sort of character development as a way to connect with the audience, but ultimately it's about the audience and, and what can they do to change their lives, you know, build their dream business you know, whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish.
0: So for the past decade, so you left the the software business, you're initially just doing some coaching, then some speaking kind of comes to the mix. What does the past decade look like in terms of how have you built your speaking business? Uh, cause some of it sounds like is, is very much organic, but my guess is there's also some intentional decisions that you have made uh, about how speaking fits into the mix and how it, it kind of ties in with your coaching. What, what does that journey look like?
1: Yeah. So I still don't, plug my, my speaking as much as I, I probably should. Okay. Uh, a lot of it still just comes organically to me. Or if I'm working with companies, I'll say, hey, you know what? And rather than just working with the, the C-suite or the executives on the team, why don't you bring me in and we'll do some workshops. We'll do some, you know, works you know, for, for your employees. Just three weeks ago, I, uh, I was out in Lynchburg, Virginia, sort of central Virginia working with a, a group that owns five different hotels. Mm-hmm. And, and while I've worked with the management for quite a while, we had never done anything with the housekeepers, the laundry people. And so we, we split it up so that, you know, they work in shifts. And so I did one hour workshops, again, sort of telling my story, but talking about leadership, talking about team building Right. My, my philosophy of business yeah. is that the companies aren't real. I could sit down with, you know, the CEO of IBM and say, you know, IBM doesn't exist. It's not a real thing other than it's a tax ID somewhere. You no. might have buildings, but it's all about the people. And so a bill, a company will only be as successful as, the people who come together to do the thing, how much do they love doing the thing and with the people that they do it with. And so I shared that with, you know, these hotel workers who had never had anybody come in to tell them what you do is really, really, really important. Yeah. Right. And so most of what, you know, to answer your question, I still, you know, I I don't hold myself out there. Um, I'm not on the speaker circuit. I'm not, you know, yeah, I don't hold myself out as somebody who's just always out speaking. So for, for me, it's, you know, I, am happy to accept an invitation to speak, but for me, I, I want it to be more tied into what I'm actually doing with, with people or, or with an organization. Um, That's kind of of where I do it. So I don't have a, uh, you know, a a speaking gig, you know, business plan to speak, to speak of.
0: Uh, Now, Running a marathon is extremely difficult. Uh, I've, I've done two, and that's plenty. Um, Good for you. And I've done, I think, seven or eight half marathons. And so I've done the training stuff, and it's it's a lot of work. But I would totally agree that it's definitely much more mental than it is physical. Now, it's very it physical. You still got to put one foot in front of the other. But to kind of prove this point, uh, a couple years ago, I had some friends that I, had, I have done a half marathon with. And about a week before the Nashville half marathon, they're like, you should just do this with us. I hadn't been running at all. And I was like, sure, what the heck? And so I ran a half marathon on zero training and it was a incredibly, incredibly painful, but it was also just to show like, you know, you could do it. Um, and it's much more of a mental thing than a, than a physical thing. Now I was in a lot of pain the next several days, but nonetheless crossed the finish line and got the medal and the chocolate milk. So one thing I'd, I'd be curious from you is. Um, building a business as a coach, as a speaker, as an author, as a podcast or whatever that may look like as a personal brand is a lot of work. But at the same time, it it's a much more mental, emotional than it may be physical. So how have you developed that, that mindset for being an entrepreneur, being a personal brand? And what advice would you give to other people as they're on their own journey?
1: Yeah, again, it it, it is that, right? And so One of the metaphors that I like to use is let's take two people who are taking piano lessons Mm -hmm. and both of them want to be the absolute best musician they could possibly be. Now, one of those people ultimately wants to be up on a stage like an Elton John or, you know, Beyonce, Justin Bieber. It doesn't matter. They want the fame and the, and the riches and, and that lifestyle that they see, and they realize that these people also have to be really good musicians, right? So you can't, mm-hmm. you know, you can't fake it when you're up there and, and last any period of time. So that person is working really, really hard to become the best piano player they can possibly be. The other person feels music inside them. It's inside them and it's seeking expression out into the world. And I call that an enthusiasm, right? And, but they're frustrated because they don't know how to express this creative energy that's inside them. And so in order to be able to express it fully, they've decided to take piano lessons so that they can best express what it is, mm-hmm. right? mm And if the fame and the fortune come along with it, that's just fruit that's just showing up on the tree of their life from doing what they love to do and expressing it outward. My advice is to be this second person, right? I, I sort of play on words. I'm kind of a word nerd. I will never tell anybody to be passionate about anything. Now, I realize that's me swimming upstream because the word passion is actually a Latin word that only means suffering. Hmm. That's all it means. It doesn't mean, yay, super excited. The Greek word enthusiasm is that word. It literally means God within. right? And so within each and every one of us is this creative energy. So I would first get people who want to start their own business, and get them to be really, really, really clear about their why. Right. My why about the software business was just to make money, and I became really good at it. I mm. became, I was the first piano player, mm. right? I became the best software developer I could possibly be, just because I wanted to make the money.
0: Yeah.
1: To do it, right. Now that I've jettisoned that and I am now the second person who has this story to tell. That is my business. And so therein lies the motivation for me to do the hard work, for me to do the podcasts, to to write the blog posts, to to get up and, and do the coaching. Yeah, and and promote myself, and knowing that in order to put myself out there, I've got to be on social media. So I am on Instagram, I am on Twitter, right? To do all of that stuff, and then to learn the business of yeah. what it is that I am doing because coaching and speaking it it is a business like any other business, right? Right? There is the marketing, there is the accounting. There is, you know, the, the sem- pulling together a team to support you.
0: Well, and to that end, like the it's it's. It, it sounds like you're at a spot where you have been successful in your career. And so you've been able to kind of put aside some some of the financial needs um, because that has been largely met, it sounds like, and able to kind of focus on the, the the passion, the enthusiasm. But what do you do, especially when you're early on and it's going like, I want to chase the thing that I'm enthusiastic about, but I also got to eat and live indoors and yeah. I can't pay my mortgage with enthusiasm. So how do you combine the two of them to make sure that, yes, I can chase my... Uh, I can chase that. The thing that I'm enthusiastic about coaching, speaking, absolutely. writing, sharing a message, yeah. but at the same time, yeah, making we, we a business out of it. Yeah. We live in a world
1: it. where you've, you've got to pay rent, right? Mm-hmm. And you've got to put food on the table. And so I have absolutely no problem for the, you know, if, if somebody's working at McDonald's flipping burgers, I'm okay with that. If they're using that as a as a way to make ends meet but it's a stepping stone and they have and they still have this dream of what they want to to be then yeah. McDonald's or any type of fast food is actually a really great place to learn people skills which is what you're going to need in the speaking business because you're going to meet all kinds of people right or if that same person is working at McDonald's because they aspire to be a McDonald's owner someday that's yeah. okay the one that m- makes me sad is the one who goes to work at McDonald's forgets their dream or never had it and is convinced that there's just no other opportunity for them yeah. out there so yes absolutely um uber you know so many things i you know, you don't have to do this full time yeah right you you don't you're just but your your desire, that that enthusiasm within you, that's what you've got to get clear about. What is it that I want to do, right? Right? Or at least what are the things that when I just think about doing them, I get goosebumps on my arm yeah. because I get excited about doing that. And then learn how to do it. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. people can can follow you and what you're doing to, about how to build a, a speaking career. If you think that that's what that is. You know, stand on the shoulders of giants while you're, you know, driving for Uber or whatever it is that you're doing to put food on the table. Yeah. But put food on the table realizing that this is just part of the process. Yeah. to get where you where it is that you really want to go.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. Bruce, thanks for the time, man. If people want to find out more about you, what you're up to. Also, I know that you've got a new book coming out. So why don't you uh, tell, tell us about where we can can connect with you?
1: Yeah, I'm super excited about that. I was actually, we alluded to it a little bit. I, uh, I, I started this book last year and then uh, six months ago wound up having to have emergency brain surgery for a, an aneurysm that was about to rupture, that those things typically don't get discovered. I mean, we, we see people on the news that somebody famous just dropped dead from a brain yeah. aneurysm and no symptoms whatsoever. I was blessed to have had, call it a blessing if you will, but yeah. uh, I had symptoms that uh, just didn't work really well. So anyway, that was six months ago. It took um, took a while for me to, to get back into the swing of things, but I'm back. So I'm actually, part of my coaching is I teach a, uh, a routine A morning routine called, I call it my victory routine. It's based on Sun Tzu from The Art of War, where it says victorious warriors win first and then go to battle while defeated warriors go to battle and then figure out how to win. Hmm. And so for me, one of the things that has gotten me through so many of these ordeals in my life is having a routine that I do every day before I do anything else. And it supports me. It's it's an incredibly selfish act for me to do what feeds my soul every single day before I get up and and go out about and do the world. So my book is actually called My Victory Routine, but it's a uh, it's a basically a daily devotional, a reflection. It's three hundred and sixty. I'm a yeah. You know, I'm a, I love quotes. So if you follow me on social media, you're going to see all of these motivational, inspirational quotes because they're things that made a difference in my life. Yeah. And so the book is 365 reflections on a piece of wisdom or inspiration or motivation to, to really get people to, to get their mindset started off first. And so that's, that book should be ready the, the first to mid July coming up of this year of 2023. Um, meanwhile, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at Bruce V H Instagram, I got hacked um uh, so I'm on a new Instagram account and that's bruce.vh okay.
0: um
1: but brucevanhorn.com is sort of the hub for everything my podcast is called life is a marathon it's everywhere that podcasts are you know just like yours And, um yeah that's that's the easiest way to to find me i've got a patreon community and uh, all the links again are are in all of my social media where i've gathered together like-minded human beings. I record motivational videos and coaching videos every single day yeah. inside my Patreon community.
0: Beautiful. So. Awesome. Bruce, thanks, thanks for the time, sir. man. This has been really, really good oh, and uh, appreciate it my you. pleasure. And hope we can connect again soon. Absolutely. Hi friend, are you ready to get serious about taking your speaking business to the next level? Maybe you are someone who is looking for ways to book more paid gigs, or maybe you're trying to figure out all the different things that go into building a successful speaking business. Or perhaps you are an experienced speaker who wants to scale your speaking business to multiple six figures. And so if that's you, I would encourage you to visit thespeakerlab.com slash apply. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash apply. I want you to book a free, no obligation call with our team. And if you're not quite ready to take that leap. I don't want you to hesitate in checking out all the free resources that we have available to you on our website, including this podcast. So head over to thespeakerlab.com. Again, thespeakerlab.com. Find hundreds of blog posts, how-to guides, podcast episodes, email scripts, proposal templates, and so much more. Finally, I got a big favor. I would love for you to leave us a rating or review for this podcast. We read every single one and it also helps other speakers find valuable free resources that they can use to build their own speaking careers. As always, thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.